Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. So I'm here today, and I'm going to share with you a Palm Sunday message. And uh, let me just tell you how incredibly difficult that is. And the reason that it is so incredibly difficult is that the Voltage students kind of stole the Palm Sunday text from me last week and did an awesome job, did they not? Uh, Talking about the rocks crying out. Yeah, give it up for those kids. They did an awesome job. And uh, Pastor Jason brought us a great word. But we are, it is Palm Sunday, and this is a day that we commemorate Jesus' triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem And uh, we call it Palm Sunday because the gospel writers all tell of how worshipers gathered around Jesus on that day as he was making his trek towards Jerusalem and they waved the palm branches and they sang and praised Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And uh, they worshiped Jesus there. And uh, the scene and the setting for this event is Jesus and his disciples, they were on their way to Jerusalem to observe the Passover. They had all been around the area of Judea doing ministry. They'd been teaching the multitudes. They'd been calling people into ministry from sycamore trees. Uh, they'd been healing the blind man. They'd been tearing it up all over town. And, and uh, there was a great number of people. How I many of you know when there's a fire burning, there's a lot of folks like to gather around and watch it burn? So, I mean, this ministry team that Jesus had put together were on fire. You understand this. There were healings and miracles taking place all over everywhere. And there were people that were coming around just to observe and be a part of that and and just be part of what was going on. And there was a great deal of fanfare surrounding this moment. And the people were on a bit of a high from the things that they'd been hearing and witnessing. And, I mean, there were so many meaningful events this this event was actually such a dynamic happening there are a lot of things in the gospels that maybe you find in one gospel that you don't find in another you know just things that stuck out in one gospel writer's mind uh, that perhaps didn't in another's but this this happening this palm sunday uh shouting worshiping singing it was such a dynamic occurrence that It ended up being recorded in all four of the Gospels. We find that story in all four of the Gospels. Um, And the Bible says that they had just left Bethany. And John records that just the chapter before we read about the triumphal entry, that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. Mark records that along this journey, Jesus encountered a man by the name of Bartimaeus who was blind. And that Jesus healed him of his blindness. Matthew accounts that there were two blind men along the way that Jesus healed. And all of the gospel writers share this story, but they each share it from a different perspective. They each see different things. And Matthew and Mark tell about how after Jesus entered into the city, he went straight into the temple and he overturned the tables of the money changers. John tells that after he entered the city that Jesus had an exchange with his disciples concerning his crucifixion. But somewhere along the way, the gospel writer Luke's eyes are opened by the Spirit to something that speaks so profoundly to him 
that he knows that it must be included in his record of the happenings of this event. I believe that Luke's perspective on this great event is something today that will challenge our hearts and encourage us and draw us closer to the Lord. And I want you to look with me, if you will, in Luke chapter 19. If you have your Bible, your device, whatever, turn with me to Luke chapter 19. And we're going to look at the word of the Lord together as Luke records a, a snapshot from this happening, this great triumphal entry here of Jesus. Luke 19, we're going to begin reading in verse 41. If you've got your place there, shout amen. Luke chapter 19, verse 41 begins this way and it says but as he being Jesus as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead if you're a note taker a circler an underliner a highlighter whatever you are I want you to highlight or take notice of that phrase saw the city but he saw the city ahead and he began to weep. Again, if you notate things, I want you to notate that he began to weep. And this was Jesus' cry in that moment. He said, how I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it's too late. And peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close you in from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave one single stone in place. And underline again, because you did not accept your opportunity for salvation. There are a lot of lessons in this story about our Lord. There are a lot of challenges in this story. But I want to highlight just a few here. And as I ask you to underline those phrases, I want to go back and pick up some things from that. And the word says that Jesus beheld the city. He saw the city. There's a crowd there. They're shouting Hosanna. They're praising God. And, you know, everybody there can see the city. Have you ever been with somebody and, like, they saw something? And they were just awe-stricken by what they saw. And they, they wanted you to see it. And they wanted everybody else around them to see it. And once you finally saw it, you couldn't figure out what it was they were so enamored with. Because they were seeing it differently than you were. Let me, let me give you a couple of personal examples. I, I'm, I'm, I participate in the social media world, so I follow some of you. Okay? Let's, let's pick on Chet for a minute. If you follow Chet on social media, you'll see him posting pictures of old cars. Right? Now... To Chet, that is a, it's an artwork. It's a, it's a form of, of art. It's something that he values and appreciates. To me, when I see that 1968 model car or older, I think to myself, thank God for power windows and air conditioning <laughs> and comfortable seats and Bluetooth. I mean, these are, these are the things. But to him, it's like, Man, that's a nice car. 
It's like some of you, if let's, let's pick on Alan for a minute. Alan likes that Bethel music. Did y'all know that? Okay. To you, it's a song. But to him, it's Bethel music. It's just, woo, glory. I mean, the song, he need, this boy needs a catcher. He's about to go out. Because we perceive things and we see things in different ways. Now, I want to I share with you here what, what was going on here because everybody there on that day that was there shouted. They all saw that they were descending from a hill towards the city. They had a great vantage point. They could all see the city. But here's what was happening. What they were beholding was beautiful Jerusalem, the religious capital of the world. A city that was buzzing with activity, and most of that activity was religious. They were beholding people scurrying around, participating in the ceremonial acts in and around the temple. But how many of you know sometimes what we see and what we perceive is superficial? It's only on the surface. It's a facade that covers a much deeper reality. And sometimes, church, I'm going to be honest with you, I believe that we as Christians, sometimes we just we put on shows because we don't want people to know the real hurt and the dysfunction that's going on in our lives. So we participate in the religious forms and we come and do the religious things. But the word says that when Jesus looked on that and beheld what was a beautiful sight to everyone else around him, that he began to weep and grieve over this city. Because you see, Jesus saw beyond the facade and he saw to the heart of the matter. And the issue is that, you know, we may try, try as we may, we can't hide things from God. There's an old proverb, I guess is what you would call it, that says you can fool all of the people some of the time and you can fool some of the people all of the time. But we would add to that that you can't fool God any of the time. I mean, he knows the deal. Right? He knows where you're living. He knows what's going on. As a matter of fact, the psalmist said, Psalm 44, 21, it says, God would surely have known it for he knows the secrets of every heart. And here's the reality of that city that everybody was beholding. Jesus was weeping over it. Everybody else was shouting Hosanna and celebrating. And there's Jesus weeping. Is that even though this city was buzzing with religious activity and gave the appearances that everything was okay, there was a deep undertow going on there in the life of Jerusalem. There was an unrest over the fact that they were under the rule of Roman authority. This was to be God's city. This was their land of promise. You got that? I mean, this, they were there living and trying to possess the promise of God, yet they were living under the oppression of pagan rule. They were wishing. They were wishing. They weren't wishing. They were hoping for a Messiah. 
But they weren't looking for a guy that was going to come and give his life and sacrifice himself on a cross. Oh no. They were looking for somebody that was going to show up, establish an earthly kingdom, and fix things for them on earth. You say, well, Pastor, what, is, what has that got to do with me? I'm glad that you asked. Let me ask you this question. How many of you ever become frustrated in your own life with the fact that you're a child of the king, but you're impacted by the fact that you live and have your being in a fallen world that is under the sway of demonic powers? Do you ever find it difficult to fully appreciate that you're walking and you're living in the land of God's providence because you've got trouble? You can't appreciate where God has positioned you because you've got trouble, you've got physical concerns, you've got financial hardships, you've got family and relationship issues, and you've got unrest at home and across the globe. How many of you face situations in life that you know it would be just so much better if God would just show up and make everything right? Isn't that that always our prayer? God, fix this. Make it right. Fix it. Your face indicates to the world that everything's okay, but deep inside your heart is breaking and you're wondering where is God in the midst of your life. I want to tell you something today. If you're here today and you feel lonely, if you're here today and you feel forgotten, I want to tell you today that Jesus sees the heart of the matter and he understands what you're going through. And not only does he see and understand, but I assure you today that he cares. The Bible assures us that Jesus cares for us. It says in Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. In other words, Jesus in bodily form has experienced the full spectrum of human living and he knows what we're facing in this life. There is no room I'm guilty, as I'm sure that you are. There is no room for us to go to the Lord in prayer and say, God, you just don't know what I'm going through. Because the fact of the matter is he knows exactly what you're going through. And according to Hebrews 4, he has experienced what you're going through. He is intimately acquainted with what you're facing in this life. He knows your struggle. He knows your temptation. He knows your pain. He has suffered gross injustice. He knows what it's like to have friends who abandon him. He knows what it's like to suffer physically in ways that we can't even comprehend. He does know what it's like to have people revile and criticize him. He knows what it's like to be persecuted. He knows the pain of hunger and the anguish of thirst. Church, he knows what you're going through. Not only did Jesus see and not only did he understand and know, but then he wept. He wept. When Jesus beheld this city and knew its state, he was moved to tears. There's one thing that we can learn from the Gospels. It is that Jesus is compassionate. 
at least seven times in the Gospels, it describes events and says, and he was moved with compassion. He, he didn't turn a hard heart away. He didn't just put a blinded eye and pass by. But he saw the state of man. He saw the need. And the word declares that he was moved with compassion. Can I tell you something today? And I'm telling you this in sincerity. And this is one of the most profound things I can think of to say to you right now in this moment. It seems so elementary. It seems so childlike. It seems so much reminiscent of things that you learned in children's church and in Sunday school when you were a kid. And it sounds like little songs that little kids sing. But can I tell you today that Jesus loves you? Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. I want you to look at your neighbor right now and say, Jesus loves me. We should have had a shouting spell just now. Okay? I hate to have to tutor you on such things, but somebody said one time, you know, it's not so, you know, they were trying to figure out how, how did God hate Esau? And somebody else said, it's, the mystery is not why did God hate Esau. The mystery is why did God love Jacob? Sinners, all we all are. We've done nothing to merit his love for us. We've done nothing to, to, to like win his affection. But he loves us. And the word says this, that where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of them. The word says this, that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. And my question to you is, I wonder how often are we gathered together in religious settings and we're like, the, we're like that city of Jerusalem that Jesus beheld and wept and, and we're going about the business, we're having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And we're gathered in the name of Jesus so we have the promise that he's there with us. But I wonder how many times he's in our presence and he's looking past the facade and he's looking straight to the heart of the matter and he's heartbroken and he's weeping and he's saying, if you'd only known, if you'd only recognize the things that make for your peace, it's not for the stars to align or the check to show up in the mailbox or for that person at your workplace to start acting right. It's for you, as Paul instructed the Colossian church, to let the peace of God rule and reign in your heart. Jesus weeps and he's moved in part by his compassion for the people and in part because he knows that they have a mistaken perception of where peace comes from. He says, if only you had known the things that make for your peace. 
we do the same thing, and yet Jesus is standing and he's saying, Come unto me, all you that are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We can't rest. We've got to keep our hands in it. We've got to fix it. We've got to figure it out. And Jesus knew what this people's assumption was, that their Messiah was going to come and storm into the city and overthrow the current governmental regime. Can I tell you with that as well, if I could just take a five-second plug and say to you that our hope is not in a political party. In Jesus' mind, he's probably thinking, nope, nope. I'm not going to do that, but if you'll, if you'll allow me, I'll offer you some peace for your hearts in this storm. And when we face the storms of life, don't we always know what will make peace for the situation? When you're up against a struggle, don't you always know what will fix it? How many of you ever instruct the Lord in how to fix your stuff? I mean, we've got all the answers. We just need his power added to it, right? If God would just anoint our idea, the world would be a better place, right? That, that check, it'll mysteriously and miraculously land in our mailboxes for a certain amount, then everything would be okay and we would know peace. If we could just find favor with certain individuals and we could sway them to our side of understanding, then the calm would come and we would experience peace. If we could just get that physical healing that we so desperately need, then if, if this person or that person in our relationships would just begin to behave differently, then we would know peace. But I want to declare something to you today. And if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, I want you to hear this. That life for you can be as smooth and placid as it can possibly be. But if you don't allow Jesus, the Prince of Peace, to rule and reign in your life and in your heart, then the peace that you experience will be very temporal and a fleeting moment. You see, troubles are a guarantee in this life. But peace is the promise of the Lord. As a matter of fact, John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. Jesus said, I'm going to give you peace, but it's not like the world gives it because the world says that everything's got to be in line and all the boxes have got to be checked and everything has to make sense to us. But Paul describes the peace of God, the peace that Christ wants to give every one of us as being a peace that passes all understanding. Say, Pastor, what does that mean, peace that passes all understanding? That means that when it seems like everything around you is breaking down and breaking loose, when it seems like every weapon that hell has to form is formed and trained against you, when it seems like you can't take one more thing, and it, you don't see any resolution in sight, 
and none of it makes sense and you don't understand why, yet in the middle of it, you can stand and say, peace, peace, wonderful peace flowing down from the Father above. I think about Daniel in the lion's den. He wasn't delivered out of that lion's den or from it. He had to go through it. But somehow or another, I just picture in my mind that he wasn't a nervous wreck the whole time that he was in there. As a matter of fact, I know it wasn't because he said, hey, my God can deliver me from this. What about the three Hebrew boys that were thrown into the fiery furnace? They had to go through it. Paul went through it. Paul went through it, but Paul also stood and said, I know whom I have believed in, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that that I've committed to his hand until the day of Christ Jesus. Can I tell you something today? Salvation in Christianity is not about a what. It's about a who. And his name is Jesus. And he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he is the Prince of peace. And I want to ask you today, because he, Jesus ended that lament by saying to them that their enemies would destroy them because they did not accept their opportunity. And I want to share with you very quickly this morning, church, in closing, the simple fact of this, that your adversary seeks to destroy you. Those days that you feel like you're going to lose your mind, that's exactly what he has intended. Them, them kids are about to run you crazy or whatever it is. That is exactly what he has intended to do to you. To destroy you. But I want to tell you something. In Christ Jesus, there's an opportunity for peace like a river. Even in the hardest time. You know, I believe Jesus wept in part over what might have been. Had they turned to Jesus, the history of a nation would have been altered for the good. But Jesus prophesied over that nation that neither their, uh, that their future would be one of war because of their rejection of the peace that he came to bring. And I want to tell you today, that's the same option that's available for us. We can live in peace or we can live in turmoil. Those are the options. Nothing has to be fixed around you, but things have to be fixed. Things have to be released inside of you if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior then you can never know lasting peace it'll just be a patch at best but if you do know the Lord you know you can know the Lord but still choose to live in turmoil and not opt 
to live and walk in his peace. But I do want to tell you that if you'll rest in him, then peace is yours. You can have a life without warring within and turmoil and just have that peace that passes all understanding. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.